0: Well, hey everyone, L. Holly here, or Kristen, you can call me either. I am here on this podcast, Ice Cream Sunday, with the lovely Trevor and Austin and Corey. Hey, Corey. And we were talking all about books this episode, but also a little bit about candy and adoption. Yeah. And publishing. What does self-publishing look like? And cookies. We talked about cookies, too.
1: And I'm about getting,
0: you. And about me. I'm getting off on a food tangent there. But yes, we did. We talked a little bit about me and the books and what exactly the process was for writing said books. What else do we talk about? Um, what else can they look forward to in this episode?
2: Man, um, we talked about the, like going through... like processes uh, the journey of how like each of us started journey yeah, yeah we
0: talked about journeys your you
1: know? your um, you know learning about your biological family a little and bit how you about that. West Johnson and yes. which led you to meeting us in a weird roundabout way it so, really did yeah.
0: yeah we talked about that we talked about you know the the stories of names
1: <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um, this was brilliant. So much fun. Uh, and we can't thank you enough for inviting us to back to Minneapolis. Thank so you. Thank you so and much. thank
0: you, everyone. Enjoy this episode of Ice Cream Sunday.
1: An opportunity to meet you very, very briefly, too brief at Twin Cities Con.
0: About a minute or so. Yes, it was yes.
1: about. I think ni- you were on camera for maybe all of like 90 seconds. I think so. um, But we had an opportunity to know a little bit about your story. Uh, Wes told us a little bit, um, but we obviously had to come back up here. Uh, we, were, we were coming back up here for a number of different reasons and. One of them at the top of the list was getting to know more about your story. So we'll definitely dive into that. But the question I wanted to ask, very similar questions to uh, what we've asked Joe and Bobby yesterday sure. with mm-hmm. how do they get into anime and how do they get into you know retail and that sort of thing. Yeah. for you, I would assume you were a reader before you were a writer. I was so what were the so what were some of the authors that you fell in love with? What were some of the books that really made you fall in love with reading, with writing, and, and getting you to the point that you're at today?
2: Your attention, please. If Michael Justin is in the
0: library, please come to the service desk. Michael Justin's to the service desk. Well, now everybody knows we're in the library. God? that <laughs> was not us, <laughs> luckily. I
1: sounded nothing like Morgan Freeman.
0: We have not angered the librarians yet. So, um, yeah, I. funny enough, because you see fantasy books in front of you, you'd think I would have started with fantasy, but I was a huge Nancy Drew fan. Of course. When I was younger, I read so many and my mom had those old my adopted mom had those old versions of the Nancy Drew books from when she was younger and I read through all of them. I loved the mysteries. I loved just, you know, I also really liked the Babysitters Club and I, you know, yep. ended up coming up with plans for having my own Babysitters Club. It was a whole thing. And Eventually got into fantasy with, like, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. Of course. Of course. And so those really, you know, so mystery and fantasy and action and all of that really drew me to reading. As for the writing, I started that pretty early on too uh, with fabulous things like the earring adventure where these earrings fall down a drain. Uh, (laughs) And very, very exciting short stories like that. But I also was really into writing plays and making my neighborhood kids act in those plays.
1: <laughs> that I, was that was me as yeah, well. That yeah. was that you too. Yeah.
0: Okay. So the fun part for me was telling everybody what they had to do and then of course charging the adults nickels to of watch course. our play. We was we were really trying to earn some candy money, I think. Austin
2: would do the same thing except it was wrestling on his trampoline.
1: Yep.
0: Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I was, wrestling the, matches. I was the
1: Vince McMahon of backyard wrestling. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> it was great.
0: I love it. Yes. And so that was kind of my start was just reading a ton, uh, coercing neighborhood kids to do the plays that I wrote. And eventually that led to writing longer stories. Mm-hmm. I wrote my first novel when I was eighth grade, ninth grade. Oh, wow. Yeah. That one's never going to see the light of day, by the way. What was it about never. though? It was a fantasy. Okay. It was a portal fantasy. I don't know if you've, if you're familiar with those, but that's where like a person from earth goes through some kind of magical portal into this new magical okay. land. Sure. Right. And it was, I thought I was being very twisty turny with some of the plot points. and.
1: So let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Is oh, yeah. that like a portal oh. fantasy?
0: Uh, In a way? I would say so. Okay. Yeah. And that was another book that I, you know, series that I read when I was younger too. Sure. I loved that thought that going through a cabinet, just something so basic as a cabinet, you could enter this magical world. And that always stuck with me.
1: That book introduced me to Turkish delights.
0: I've (laughs) tried them. I'm not a huge fan. Really? I know. I was like, what is Edmund talking about? These are the worst.
1: (laughs) I also like a lot of like silly candies too though okay. like um I grew up with my grandparents um and so a lot of the old school like uh the strawberry candies oh, that are wrapped yes. in, in strawberry the actual, wrappers strawberry wrappers and then, yes. um a candy called whorehounds
0: Corey here yeah my <laughs> nice. great
1: grandma always had them like a little dish of them okay. next to her recliner, so when we came to visit her, you know you would always try to you know. Hustle, right. great grandma out of a whorehound, but yeah. oh, funny, so.
0: yeah, no, I, I was more basic with my candies. I didn't, really, I mean, I knew, I know the strawberry ones. I'm, I've never heard of the whorehounds ones. So. They taste like dirt,
1: but do they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay,
2: like really good dirt. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm definitely a <laughs> well, I was gonna say, as a, as a kid, you're <laughs> familiar kid, with the flavor of dirt. dirt. <laughs> uh, I'm more of a Worthers. Kind of, oh, yeah, those
0: were the ones in my grandma's purse, yep, yep. all mm-hmm. the time,
1: never failed. We're off topic, but do we you are. remember? Um, I don't, I may, they may still make them, but um, uh, cream savers,
0: oh, yes, yeah, you can. I've found them, have you, at Michael's craft Michaels. stores?
1: Interesting, yeah, that's the last place on earth. I, I, know. I would go look for them,
0: uh, but that's where I found them. So now when I take my kids there oh. to buy crafting things, I'm like, oh, well, while we're here, it's a
1: candy influenced podcast this is a candy motivated so. podcast
2: i mean you want to talk about candies like long lost candies um the chalk cigarettes oh, oh yeah yeah the candy cigarettes. The, like the bubble gum cigars yep
0: so yep. not trying to do a plug but i know you guys are going to blue sun soda we shop are. after this and mm-hmm. they have some fun unique candies there too it's not just their soda selection so you might find that there, Is it the same know.
1: kind of I- idea with you know it being a very old school uh, 1950s style soda fountain? Is there some of those older style candies and things? Yes, so? awesome. there are. I That's can't cool. wait. I'm so excited. Uh, um, so you you write your first novel in eighth grade, you said? Yeah,
0: eighth ninth grade around there.
1: And do you do you continue writing through through the years and until so? Let me ask you this. Is yeah. the 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 Fay trilogy, mm-hmm. is that the first published works you have?
0: No. Okay. No, I actually started in 2017. Well, I wrote another book in college, let it kind of sit by the wayside. It was the first. It was going to be a short story, and then it ended up being a novel, and it ended up being the first in a series. You know how those things go. Sure, sure. And I sat on it for many years because I was – I got married. I had a job. I had kids. I was – Life, Mm -hmm. you know, and I had a creative writing class at my job, my online teaching job, and I was talking to them about different publishing options and somehow let slip that I had this book and they kind of turned the script on me and they're like, well why haven't you looked into the self-publishing if (laughs) if you're telling us about Mm -hmm. it? And I had no good answer for them. And I had a friend who had self-published, and so I told him, I'm like, if I sit you down and buy you dinner, will you tell me about how this works? And I've learned a lot since then, and I've made a lot of changes. I'm still making changes. I'm actually working on second editions of my books right now with different covers and a little bit different, um, you know, I'll be adding something fun in the second editions, like some artwork of the characters and stuff, just to make it fun for the second edition. And, but it's, I wouldn't have been here if I didn't start there. So I'm, I I don't regret starting where I did, but I put this book out there and decided I'm going to keep writing this series then. And so I started out self-publishing And now I'm this weird hybrid because I also all my books, my Fantastic Wars series. That's the first. It's a middle grade Mm -hmm. fantasy series. Uh, I got a contract with a company called Books in Motion, and they produce the audiobooks of my books. That's very cool. So I self-publish the ebook paperback and then books in motion if they like my books enough and so far they've said yes to all of my books they will they've done the audiobook versions which is great because i don't have this kind of fun recording equipment to do it on my own and that's a lot of time that as a mom of and course, teacher and of also a writer that i just don't have
1: do you get the opportunity to as the author choose who you who reads your books for as the audiobooks? Does that make sense? The narrator. Yeah, the narrator.
0: I got to say, hey, this is somewhat what I'm thinking. Okay. And they have uh, actors that they hire for their company. And so they go through their list and see which one fits my description best. And so actually the same person who narrates my Phantasmic Wars books, her name is Re- Rebecca Rogers. She's mm-hmm. fantastic because I have a bajillion characters in those books. And she's so great at <clears throat> differentiating them, but not in an overly, you know, crazy way. Sure. And she also narrates books one and two of the Finding Faye trilogy. Book three is in pre-production right now. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. That's
2: awesome. What's the, um? what would you say the, the, the process is for like going about um, kind of like sourcing out like where to publish, um, because I know you said you you were doing like self-publishing. I do, yeah. Stuff like that. Um, Would you say it's a a difficult process to do?
0: It is. And it's one that, like I said, I mean, I've been doing this for, or that's what, eight years now, and I'm still learning, you know. I think that it's definitely worth checking out if you have – the money and the time to do the research, I didn't have the money at first. And so I took some cheaper ways that I'm like, you know what, if I had just waited, but I'm not known for my patience, I could have probably done them differently from the start, but that's okay. Again, I don't regret. So there's a lot of different routes is I guess what I'm going to say, because there's no one way to self-publish. Some people do strictly Amazon, for example, because sure. Amazon is one of the biggest retailers out there for eBooks that you can use, and so a lot of people do that. I choose not to go in on their select program to do expanded distribution that way. Um, but again, it's it's there's a lot of avenues that some people they just self publish on certain websites that they literally just want a print copy just for themselves, you mm-hmm. know. And so there's a whole array a whole variety of ways that you can go about self publishing depending on your goals and i will say one of the hardest parts for me for self publishing is i don't have that publishing house behind me helping with the marketing i'm not that great at marketing guys <laughs> like if you hadn't talked to my uncle wes i probably would never have like even thought to reach out to you know you and do that because it's just like I was telling you guys before we started, I I would rather just be that mysterious author that nobody ever heard of. Sure. I'm very introverted and I love talking to people, but it it's just I would rather not have to do any of that. But I love I love connecting with people though too. So it's
2: it's hard to, it's
0: hard to decide because I do I I've made some really great connections on social media too. So uh, it's one of those things I guess that you just I have to have to do, but also enjoy sometimes. But also when I'm like it's a love hate. Sure. Of course. (laughs) Relationship with that.
2: How do you, how do you find the balance between like, you know, just
0: your normal life to being able to write? Um, do you mean how I find time to write while I'm also a mom and a teacher? Yes. (laughs) I get that question a lot (laughs) and I'm never sure how to answer it because partly it's coffee. (laughs) Yeah. Partly it's, getting up early or finding time, you know, on my work breaks to get in a few words, a few hundred words, staying up late, you know, especially when you're in the thick of things and you just want to – you're so close to the end. And you just want to see this – how this all ends for the characters. And, and then there's times where I just – I know I can't, right? So I just don't. But it's interesting because I – have a husband and kids who are also very engaged with the process so they've actually helped me um not with writing it but my my poor husband went on so many walks with me where all i did was talk to him about the plot and the characters and then bounce questions off of him and he would nitpick for me and make sure that there weren't any holes Mm -hmm. in my plot and then i would sometimes my characters would get stuck. And I know you said you write. Do you find that your mm-hmm. characters sometimes do things that you weren't expecting? Because my husband doesn't understand that. And I tell him, like, I'm writing and my characters will get themselves in situations. Do you find that that happens when you're writing at all? Yes.
2: Um I think it has a lot to do with how I want their personalities to be. Right. Um Like, I really like this character, but it's not... Like yes, I am in ultimate control of how like how I write write something out. It's just I'm not in control of how that's gonna play out.
0: Exactly. And my husband doesn't understand that. And that's okay, he's not a writer. And I there's a few times, especially in book one and book three, where I had my characters in these situations and I was <laughs> Stuck. I'm like, I don't know how to get these guys out of it. My kids, who are 8 and 10, are very imaginative and helped me. So there's a few plot points in these books that they helped. If it wasn't for them, I don't know what the characters would have had done. But
1: So I feel like you and Trevor have more in common because I'm, I'm not a writer either. And I, I went to, to college thinking I was going to be an English major. Really? Loved reading. But when I started getting into... The writing portion of it, I realized that unless there was something given to me, um, I, I w- was unable to, to tell the story. I can't conjure a story. Sure. So I became a journalist instead because it's much easier to just – I'll just tell your story instead of making it up on my own. And then I realized once I became a journalist that maybe I – I appreciate and i and I enjoy nonfiction more. so i've been I've been reading a lot of nonfiction, and I think I do this podcast because it's like, well, I can't make up stories, but I can help people tell their stories. and I can tell all of my dumb dumb stories. <laughs> so what is the what is the process like? when you're starting, let's say this trilogy, for example, sure. do you have those characters set up in your mind and you're like, this is where I want to get to, And then, it just it just comes to me like how do we get there? Or what's that process like? Because I can't even I can't even imagine what it's like to put a story together. Right. It doesn't make sense in to my in my head at all.
0: Well, I start with a concept. Okay. Right. So these books right. started with the idea, and I know we talked a little bit about this when you guys were interviewing Wes, that Wes kind of helped kickstart this whole idea that I wanted a main character who was adopted like me. I didn't want to write my own story, though. I'm, that's, not something, that's something that we differ in then, you yeah. know? And I didn't really know how to go about that. And Wes asked me, well, who says the birth parents have to be human? And mm-hmm. so that was my original concept. When I was first starting to flesh it out, they were going to be aliens. Obviously, they did not end up being aliens, <laughs> And it's very different. But that's, I guess, one thing about the process, at least my process. You have to allow yourself to change and, and be okay with that. If I had tried so hard to stick to my original concept, it wouldn't be the trilogy that it is. Sure. So you, stick with, you start with a concept, but then you allow yourself to change along the way. Uh, then you start, for me anyway, I start coming up with an end game. Okay. I had an idea of how I wanted this thing to end when I was writing book one and that for me helps because then I work backwards from that point, from that end point, what do I want my character? How do, how do they get to that point? Okay, back it up. How did they get there? You know, and I didn't have book three fleshed out before book one, of course, these were each I did individually, but I knew how each installment of the story, how I wanted it to end because they were each major points in the eventual plot that led to this ending. Mm -hmm. And so for each one then, I I took the book one and where I wanted this one to end and did the same thing, I worked backwards. And I, I create what I call a skeleton outline, because I can't quite just write without any plan. But I also hate doing too much in the beginning for plot and world and all that. I like to let my characters and my reader discover that as they're reading. So, I have like maybe a sentence or two for each chapter. And an idea in mind about how long I want it to okay. be. And and then I start writing. And obviously things change.
2: How do you decide when to stop writing? Like, yeah, yeah, like um Like, how do you decide, like, this is a story I want to write for this book. Mm -hmm. Um, It's going to continue into the next one, but I just, I want to keep going with it. Right. How do you decide, like, when is that time to break it up?
0: So I ask myself, what main conflict is the character going through? And I'm not talking about outside conflict. I'm talking about internal. What is my main character really struggling with internally in this book? How does that get resolved? And in the first book, Evie's the main character. She's struggling with the fact that her birth parents, who she's never known, of course, but that her birth parents are not human. And she's struggling with, do I want to meet them or not? And she finds that her birth mom, at least, had left some clues for finding her. And so she's following these clues. And this whole time, like, you know, she wants to, but also is she ready to? And it ends... Without too many spoilers, it ends with her um, getting ready to make that final, that next step sure. to meet them. No. And so, th- and that's how I, I think about it. I think about what is my main character really struggling with? What is their end goal? Do they reach it or not? Is not really relevant, but do they get to that point where either yes, they do, or no, they don't? Is that internal conflict resolved in some way? And so that is what drives the main plot then of the books. So in book two, um, she's got some choices to make with her birth parents. Um, Spoiler alert, she has to save them if she wants to meet them. And she has some choices to make there. Like, is this worth it? And that's – that going back and forth like is it worth it is it not is a lot of what drives her in the beginning of this once she decides it is then it's like that's when things start picking up for her and that leads to that final conflict in this book you know so so i i I center it around the characters because like we were talking about last night that's what people read for they read for the characters and they read for their the characters experiences because they want to be you know when readers pick up a book they want to be in the book they want to be in that world they want to be immersed. And one way you can do that is by connecting them with these characters. And of course I have a lot of my own thoughts and then also other adoptees' thoughts going through Evie's head as well as she's struggling with all of this, which was a way that I incorporated some of that more nonfiction idea, sure. you know, that idea of what it is what does an adoptee think about when they're deciding do they want to meet their birth parents or not? In in Evie's case, because she, like me, she was adopted when she was an infant, like she has no memory of them, you know? And so that's, that's, there's that question of do I meet them and open up what could be a huge can of worms? Or do I not and keep going on with my life with those questions unanswered?
2: So another question that just kind of popped in was... Um... As far as like the world building, the world lore mm-hmm. for your books is like the world of, of like the Fey and The Fey Realm, yeah. Yeah. Um is that no is that like public knowledge to everyone else? Or is this like I guess what I'm trying to get at is like is it a shock to her that like
0: Oh, in the book like that yeah. there's a Fey realm. Yes. Yeah. She is shocked in, in this series it's definitely like set up as the fae realm is not known to most people okay and so fae in the human realm either look like fairly human like they can pass as human if they're old enough though they'll still have the pointy ears and some fae even when they switch realms end up looking like animals or other you know so that switch from human realm to fae realm, they change and thus they kind of go hidden in our in Evie's world. Um, so she was shocked, to say the least, and that's part of the um, thing that drives her. Is she's got this whole new world, and not just meeting her birth parents, but this whole world that could have she could have grown up in, and didn't. And in a way, that's kind of. On a larger scale, looking at what a lot of adoptees think about is what would my world have been like had I grown up somewhere else, had I been raised by someone else?
1: So for me personally, I wasn't adopted per se, but I grew up with my grandparents and not my biological mother, biological father. So I grew up with my mother's parents. Okay. And then when you start to get older and you start to realize like – how your biological mother, how my biological mother lives her life, like how different would things would have been? Like right. what, uh, what things would I be interested in? What things would I have done? Would I, would have, you know, uh, what I ended up dead or in jail or, you know, not to put my mother down, but, um, you know, just the way that she lives her life, does would that have influenced the way that I, I grew up? Um, what kind of, Questions is the main character, Evie, asking herself as far as, you know, how would I have grown up? How would things be be different if it's not too much of a spoiler?
0: It's not. She doesn't – her internal monologue, she's got a lot going on plot-wise uh, to distract her a little bit. And I think she wanted – and she felt like there was something different out there for her because once she – opens up her adoption info and sees some sign that her parents are not human. She accepts it fairly quickly. And I think it's because there's that want, that need to connect, right? And so she she accepts that fairly quickly, but she still is very ignorant when it comes to anything in the Fae realm. And she does make a few comments here and there about, you know, well, I didn't know and I had no, you know... Mm-hmm. You forget. I didn't know this, you know. To especially to characters who have lived there or were familiar with it, and which is why in the books she has um, a character who actually didn't know that she was Faye until she's getting to the point where she's going to start showing her powers more. She's getting older, and so she does something and is has this like aura about her which only other Faye would see and that's when sure so he's someone at the school and so he sees this and now now he's like well hold on <laughs> where did you come from because it's not very common to have Faye in the human realm she's a changeling you know and that's
1: how old is the main character in this trilogy when mm-hmm. she finds out that uh she has non-human biological parents
0: she is about 18
1: okay was that around the age that you found out you were adopted okay Mm -hmm. i wondered i was gonna Uh ask that okay
0: i found well i mean i knew i was adopted and and evie did too so in her in this trilogy her family um has she's not the only kid she has two younger sisters and two younger brothers and they're all adopted just like evie is and so she they're very open about that so she's known that she's adopted but her birth or her adopted parents give her the information because she's going through a lot, and they're like, You know what? Maybe this will help distract sure. you. They don't know what's in it. Just regarding the fey things, that that's something only Evie can see because of her fey heritage. Sure, okay. And so they are completely ignorant as to the fact that they adopted a fey child, not okay. a human child, anyway. And so it's like me. That's actually a very strong similarity. It's like me. Evie knew she was adopted and then got information about medical background, that kind of a thing, when she was a little older.
1: Mm-hmm. When you got that information in your personal life, mm-hmm. um, were you were you curious or, or what started that journey to learn more about your biological
2: family?
0: I was curious. I remember, actually, I found out before my adopted parents gave me my information that my mom and dad had been sending updates on, I think, at least a yearly basis to my birth mom without my knowledge. And I found this out my senior year. I was doing a project and saw this Word document titled with my name. And I'm like, well, what's what's this? And it was a letter to her. And so we had some conversations. And so I was very curious. And I was curious my whole life about who these – because they're ghosts. They're these mysterious people I've never met. I don't know what they look like. I think they look like me. And it's – I can't remember the exact term, but I think in the adoptee world, it's called creating a ghost village. Where in your you're in your head a lot, you look at people and you just like create these stories like, well, you know, they've got my nose. Maybe they're my like cousin. And you create this ghost family, this ghost village in your head. So it's very common and very natural to be curious about that growing up. And I was, and I didn't actually I chose to wait. I didn't get in contact with my birth mom until I was in my early twenties.
2: Okay. And that seems like it plays into the conflict of her deciding to meet her family. Correct. It's just like, you know, uh, it, with the with the parallels that, you know, with your life and, mm-hmm. and that being put to book as far as uh, the main character. It, I think it's cool that you're able to use that. You're able to do that. And I, I I like how easy it seems. <laughs> it's to, not easy <laughs> to to well at least to relate to like the conflict.
0: Sure, that the character is going through. Yes, yes, yeah, and of course I give Ev thoughts that I didn't personally have. I give her her own personality. She and I are not the same, but I I let her take some of my thoughts. I let sure. Evie's personality, um, take some of what I thought of adoption and adjust it to her as a character.
1: Is your biological mother, the first member of your biological family that you met in person? Um, and you said that was in your early twenties. What's Mm -hmm. that experience like?
0: It was a little crazy. So I was adopted through Minnesota, through Lutheran Social, Lutheran Social Services, very common adoption service in Minnesota here. And when I finally decided I'm going to meet her, I want to put out some feelers and see, you know, it was going to cost a fee to get even basic information. Mm-hmm. And at the time, in case early 20s, I'm not making a lot of money. I was saving up for a wedding. Sure. And my adopted dad just kind of looks at me he's like well that's bullshit (laughs) because you know that information should be Mm -hmm. if you want it available and i found out then that there was actually a connection between my birth mom's family and my adopted mom's family and i found out that my mom and dad not only were sending letters in that official manner but they had My birth mom's parents' contact information because, see if we can keep track of this, guys. Okay. So, Mm -hmm. my adopted mom's dad owned a business, and my birth mom's dad would sometimes do business with his business. Interesting. And they were fairly friendly. Okay. They were on a fishing trip. This is where the conversation started anyway. They were on a fishing trip the year I was going to be born, and my adopted mom's dad is talking about how his daughter and son-in-law had been trying and trying and trying to have kids and couldn't, and then they went through this adoption agency, but this was South Korea in the 80s, and that fell through. And then my birth mom's dad was saying how his 16-year-old daughter was pregnant, and Thinking about adoption, and I don't know how the conversation exactly went, but I kind of imagined in my head they both had that like aha moment, you know, and they're like, oh, well, maybe we can do something about this. And obviously, Lutheran Social Services was used for the official channel. But my parents actually met my birth mom, and she because she wanted to make sure that I was adopted into a family that she approved of, and of course, so they got to meet her, and because of that connection. When I eventually you know decided I wanted to contact her, and I thought this process was going to take months, like to get the information, then to send the letter and then wait, my parents were just like, "Well, we'll call We'll call Jim and Jan, and they let, they'll let Sue know. Sue's my birth mom's name." Mm-hmm. And five days later, I was getting a call from Sue, and of course, she knew what day it was. It was my birthday. I was turning 22. <laughs> and so I, I told my professor. At, ahead of time, I was taking poetry class. I told him that I might be getting a call. It was my birthday, and my adopted mom had called me earlier because my birth mom had actually called her first and talked with her. And yeah. I thought that was really good of Sue to do that. And so my, my adopted mom, Mary, she called me and said, you can expect a call today. Wow. That's yeah. awesome. And a few days after that, we were meeting at the Maplewood Mall here in Minnesota at Caribou, of course, and it's Minnesota. Yeah, it's you Minnesota. Have to. You have to, and we met for the first time. And she and my six half sisters all ended up wow attending my wedding the next year.
2: Holy cow! Yeah. So, what was it like meeting your birth mother? Like, did it feel awkward? Were you nervous, anxious? Oh, of
0: course, I was nervous, anxious. I'm always awkward, by the way, guys. <laughs> of <So> course, <awkward. laughs> but it it was nerve wracking. It was exciting. It was too short, but also just enough time. And I, I'm grateful because I, it was Thanksgiving weekend. So I had that, those days off of school, off of college. And so I was at home and I was, I was able to decompress and kind of work through everything. And there was a lot to process. Not only that I had six half sisters, but she told me in that first conversation that, you know, my birth father, Jason had died a long time ago. And so that was another thing. Like, how do I process that grief? I've never met him, but I never will get to now. You know, it was that grief of what could have been almost.
1: So these, these stories and, and we just met, you know, less than, or a little more than two months ago now. Mm -hmm. Um, So I haven't had an opportunity to read your trilogy yet, but from what I know about them and then other stories that are, uh, have a similar, like this main character Learn something about himself. I'm thinking of like uh, Percy Jackson, right?
0: Loved the Percy Jackson
1: books. So when I'm 17, I start getting very curious about my birth parents. Obviously, I know of my mother, but I don't know her that well. Mm -hmm. So I grew up with my grandparents and my mother decided when I was six years old, she's going to go to Texas. And I just don't see her from the time I'm like six to 18. I might see her maybe once a year, once every 18 months. But my biological father is an immigrant from Laos. Um, After the Vietnam War, Governor Ray in Iowa opens up Iowa to refugees of the Vietnam War. My father happens to be one of them, but then very quickly uh, moves into a town of 1,800 people and gets a white woman pregnant. So (laughs) he didn't stick around very very long.
0: Okay. So I don't get a chance
1: to meet my biological father. So when you look like me... And you are uneducated. You just assume because you look like every Mexican to ever Mexican, you're just Mexican. Um, and then you're 17 years old, and you find out that you're Laotian, and you're like, I don't even know what that is, and no one does. <laughs> so then you're you're researching. Um, Laos and you're, mm-hmm. you're learning all about this brand new culture that you know nothing about and this right. new language and this new religion, um, right. you know, cause m- the vast majority of people from Laos are Buddhist. Um, and so then you, I get to meet my biological father when I'm 17. And um, then I find out that Every Asian person in Des Moines i 'm pretty much related to, and so uh, it's just this huh? whole new crazy world, so I kind of resonate with these stories and, yes. and and
0: Evie has that moment too yeah. she when she finds out and she 's like okay there's some that my, maybe my birth mom is right in this letter, and we are fake the first thing she does is she goes on her phone and starts looking up everything she can about the fairy realm and what stories are out there. And obviously in her head, she's like, well, these are stories put out by humans. So maybe they're not totally accurate, but there's something anyway. And yeah, that's actually one of the first things that she does. And
1: that's the thing. Like, had I been Hispanic, right? Let's say my father was an immigrant from Mexico. I probably could have got online and found out everything I wanted to learn Mm -hmm. about Mexico. But there's seventy thousand Laotian Americans, right, so very small population oh, sure. and it's like one of the poorest countries. There's not a whole lot of immigrants to the United States, so learning about my my father's culture and and that sort of thing, and he speaks very broken English despite mm-hmm. the fact that he's been here for thirty five years um so trying to get that information from him is even difficult um and so yeah, just trying to learn a little bit about you know i i was I was raised. White farmer in a, in <laughs> Iowa, so to learn about a whole nother yes. culture is just, um, just a little bit over my head. Yes. But you but you grow up around um, nothing but white farmers, and you're like, well something's amiss here. Like, <laughs> I don't look like anybody else in the mm-hmm. town, but I don't really know why. You know, I something's different, something's yeah. off, but I don't understand why. So, uh, like I said, these stories and obviously yeah. Percy Jackson, things like right. that, they really resonate they, with me. So.
0: I, I get that. And Evie, I don't think she's ever necessarily felt that something's amiss per se, but she... It was like hindsight is twenty twenty. She's like, Oh, my hearing's always been really good. Oh, I've always been able to kind of like hide in the background if I want to. I just thought it was, you know, like just kind of sliding down in my seat. Nobody's gonna pay attention. And
1: I hope this isn't a offensive question, but you've you've added a lot of things about your personal life to the main character of these mm-hmm. books. And then things like, um, you know, the fae have great hearing things that are not no, so, so I'm so sorry, but things that are completely the opposite of you and your personal life. Yes. Do you is that a do you is make that those that decisions on purpose? Is that intentional?
0: That was a little bit, although that one is also partly based on mythology anyway, sure. that they do sure. tend to have keener senses. But I did mention the hearing a few times because yeah, it would be great to hear out of both ears <laughs> I'm and sure, really well. I'm sure Corey would feel really the same way. Sure, yeah, about would love smelling. to be able to
2: smell. Oh, yeah. you
0: can't smell.
2: Oh. We make fun of him all the time.
1: Oh, it comes up on every episode. My disabled little boy.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, and and for me the hearing it's been my whole life, and so I've never known what it's sure. like to actually be able to hear from both ears. And it's funny because so in in the books, actually kind of similar to Percy Jackson, and I don't know if it's necessarily that um, it's because that she's Faye, but Evie does have ADHD. It doesn't really come into play too much except for that she's fairly forgetful, somewhat impulsive, and she's easy to sneak up on despite her hearing being very keen and kind of gets made fun of a few times for that. It's just because her brain is elsewhere.
1: Now, you brought up your biological father, Mm -hmm. and he passed away very young. How old would you have been when he passed away?
0: So he passed away in 1997.
1: I would have been eight, nine. Okay. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately do not have the opportunity to meet him I but um it, for those that have listened to previous episodes of the podcast um you obviously do a lot of research and, and get to meet some of his relatives i have yes. um we touched on this a little bit mm-hmm. what is it like to find out that your uncle is world-renowned voice actor and the voice of the washington capitals west johnson
0: so it was a little probably underwhelming at first because I didn't, I was just looking at his name and it's a very common name, Wes sure. Johnson, right? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. So finding, you know, what I did to find him on social media is I was on Ancestry looking up information on my birth father's grave site. And I see this name keep cropping up, Wes Johnson, Wes Johnson posting stuff about my birth father. So I'm like, he must be related to me, right? I mean logical conclusion. Yeah, of course. And I then saw that what would have been my grandma, so Jason's mother, had passed away in 2017. So the year before I was doing all this research. And I thought to myself, maybe this is my Nancy Drew kind of coming out here, right? I was obsessed with Nancy Drew for so long. So I'm like of the course. inner sleuth. So I'm like, well, so many people post obituaries on Facebook nowadays. So I, I look up Wes and his name and then the name of my birth grandmother and there's a hit someone he had posted her obituary and that's how i reached out to him and i didn't know who he was at the time except for then we were getting this conversation he said we should probably move this conversation over to my personal page and that's when i realized i was messaging his actor page and that's Mm -hmm. when i started doing more research into who he is and of course like looking up an imdb and that's when my husband started chiming in. He's he's the one who's more the gamer, and sure, he, and you guys got to meet him last night. Very nice guy. And anyway, he was the one who kind of helped pinpoint for me who this voice actor was, and all these games that I've been kind of just in the room with, sure. him as he's playing.
1: It seemed like, um, you know, with, with the style of, of books that you write and being very into fantasy, mm-hmm. for Wes to also lend his voice to some of the most important fantasy-type video games is... It's a bit of
0: a coincidence, is it not? Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: Very interesting.
0: Yeah, I think that there are definitely some traits that run strong in the family mm-hmm. because we have a lot... Wes and I do have a lot in common. We text each other after Doctor Who episodes drop. We, you know, both really like fantasy and the acting thing as well. I did acting sure. through middle school, high school. I was a theater minor in college. I did some community theater as an adult. I've become more of a viewer instead of an actor now. But of course, there is that connection as well, that desire to be in another character and acting in front of audiences. No,
2: did it? take long to get a response from Wes when you no. initially messaged him
0: no he messaged almost right away and that was from him that I found out that I had two half-brothers I that's, that's crazy I know
2: like typically and you said you messaged his actor page
0: at first yes yeah
2: so I'm sure a bunch of people do that
0: Okay, but I how many people ask. message saying like I'm Jason's I was daughter? Just
1: going to ask that. Yeah, what do what do those first messages say? Like,
0: I didn't know what Wes's connection to me would be, so I said I. It was kind of one of those. Hey, I know this is out of the blue. I think we might be related, and I told the detail. Like, you know, I was born in 1988. I am the daughter of, and you know, Jason and Sue, and and you know, um, kind of gave a little bit of the context there. Like, I was adopted, and. And so I think that caught his attention. Sure. (laughs) I I found out later that he didn't even know about me. Jason didn't tell very many people about me, but my birth grandfather knew. So Jason's father, Tom, my grandpa, Tom, Mm -hmm. I know him now. And he was the one who confirmed it because after Wes told me about my half brothers, you know, I reached out to them and one of them responded almost right away and was fairly receptive to the idea that perhaps his father had other kids. And was really excited because they, he didn't have a sister. The other one thought I was a scam <laughs> and so called Tom and asked, you know, do I have a sister? And I, he told me, he's like, I thought Grandpa was having a heart attack because he didn't say anything for like a minute. And then finally, it was like yes, and I did end up opening a can of worms a little bit because nobody in that family knew about me.
1: Sure, sure, because I think you had talked about how your biological mother and your adopted family they kind of had a connection, right? right? So, is West the first member of your father's family that you connect with, or were they
0: connected with? Yeah, I mean, we didn't meet until
1: sure, yeah, until Twin Cities Con in two person. months ago, yeah, yeah.
0: But we—he was the first one I connected with, and then he was the one who got me connected with my my. My brothers, with Tom, and that started that whole connection with that side of the family. So,
1: oh, I'm sorry. No. Selfishly, it was a wild thing to think about mm-hmm. at Twin Cities Con. I think. Okay, Joe Moore, for example, who we interviewed yesterday, Mm -hmm. he uh, is the creative force behind a clothing company here in Minneapolis uh, called Rude Katana. It's a very anime-inspired, and he had a booth just down, uh, like two booths down from us at Twin Cities Con. And so we connected with him, and he's one of the reasons that we wanted to come up here as well, because someone, my man over here, has never been to Mall of America just so happens that Joe works in an anime. It's called Anime Fix, okay, and it's inside Mall of America. That's where he sells his clothing. Yeah. So we wanted to come up, and we wanted to do the Mall of America. And we wanted to come sit and see you, and have a fancy dinner, and all of those experiences. So he's he's talking to us about how you know it's his first opportunity on a podcast, and he thinks that we're just the coolest because like oh man, like you guys have a podcast and you travel and all of this <laughs> stuff, and like. We're dumb. We're just like, we're just this little, you know, show of dumb, dumb stories. <laughs> so...
0: I will fit in well then. I
1: think, <laughs> I think it's, just, it's crazy that we go and all we wanted to do was interview this voice actor that mm-hmm. meant so much to us in these video games that we, um, I should say that they love, that I'm just now getting into. Starfield was actually the first game that I ever played that Wes was in. I okay. haven't played any of the Fallout games. I haven't played any of the Skyrim or Oblivion. Confession, I
0: still haven't played any.
1: (laughs) You need to. They're (laughs) phenomenal. So we go and and we just want to talk to him. And then at the end of the interview, he introduces us to you. Correct. And I guess we, through social media or through talking to you, we find out that that was the first weekend that you guys had hung out in person as well. Right. And then it dawns on us, selfishly, that the first time that you guys are ever on camera together as a – Let's call it a media appearance. It's our stupid little podcast from Iowa. It sure is. Yes. And so we're just, we have these interactions where, in and of itself, just talking to Wes would have been enough. But then, well, he, no, he's wonderful. But then and he it's shares this to talk to. beautiful, very personal moment about his family with us, which is just, it's mind blowing that he would, um, just kind of give us that weird opportunity to introduce, um, you know, his, his niece who also happens to be a, you know, a creative mind and an an author and, um, and of that same kind of very nerdy mindset as well that you fit in perfect with not only our show, but twin cities con as a whole. And also what he's known for with being in, in this kind of fantasy realm and that sort of video game, um, it was this brilliant moment that we never ever could have imagined that we would, we would have. So, um,
0: and that's why you like nonfiction, right? You can't make this stuff up.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. There's no way I could have, if I could have created the perfect scenario, it never would have been like, Oh yeah. So we get to interview this man that means the world to us, but then also the cherry on top is, is this whole new person that um, is now a friend and we go to dinner with? And yeah, we yeah, do. So,
0: and, to and your, I put on a fancy dress for you guys, by the way. I wore I sweats all so day yesterday, yes. and then I'm like, you okay. and Ty looked fantastic, yes. so I appreciate I, it. I, you know,
2: um, to your guys' credit, like bouncing off of what Austin said, mm-hmm. like when we, when it kind of like realized to us that, like, Like This is the first time that you guys have met together. You guys just seem so natural around each other. Very much so.
0: Well, it's not like we hadn't talked. And and Wes is such a kind human, which I know you guys probably picked up on when you talked with him. But he has come to my creative writing classes a few times when we're doing our script writing and talks to them about... How to really differentiate characters, and so I've, we've been on the same screen before, just you know, because I teach online, so he can.
1: He might be the best to teach about differentiating character voices. Characters. Oh, for because sure. The reason I say that is because we we posted on on Thanksgiving Day, mm-hmm. we posted this TikTok, and it was basically for those that don't know, who are some of the you know voices that you've done and he goes through all of these all characters of but then also changes so, the voice and it's you amazing. see in the comments that oh my gosh the guy that did Gorath also did lucien LeChance. i had no idea, no idea. and so, and so many people, yeah he's know. he's brilliant yeah.
2: and uh i want to i want i want to give a shout out to um so i had to explain to my son mm-hmm. um that we had met Wes. Sure. Uh, he doesn't understand. He doesn't play the games. But he just knows like, hey, if this person did a voice in a video game, they're automatically pretty cool. Well, yeah. Um and so uh I just like, hey buddy, we met this guy. He does this in this game. He goes, Oh, that's pretty cool. And then uh I showed him a meme uh of Wes' character. Sure. And for like the next three or four days, that's all my son would do is is just repeat lines that your <laughs> uncle has said because of that movie. He's got
0: some memorable ones. And he, th- it's not just the lines, though. It's the way he delivers them that makes yes. them memorable. And that's...
1: When you got to... Because you, you mentioned that your husband is the video game uh, he player. He
0: is. Yeah. I, when I left him today, he was playing... Legend of Zelda, the Hell yeah. Tears of the Kingdom. So. My
1: wife has been playing Breath of the Wild. It's the first one, yep. right? Yeah. yeah. So she's been playing that. I bought her a Switch for Christmas because she wanted to play that game specifically.
2: Okay. So, yeah. I had to update my Tears of the Kingdom this morning, so I was playing oh. Smash Bros. for a little bit.
0: Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's how I left him.
1: So you met uh, the weekend of Twin Cities Con. You mm. met Wes in person for the first time. Has did. Has Ty got an opportunity to he meet did. him as well? So
0: he was... <laughs> he was up hunting that weekend. Oh sure, he didn't get anything. But he—that's where he was. It's almost like a family holiday with his side of, of the family. Yeah, you know, we all go up there, and this was like the first year in a long time that I haven't been up for hunting weekend. I don't hunt either. I usually just make the food for the people who hunt. <laughs> and Beautiful. honestly, I—this I, is a bit contrarian of me, guys—but I usually make a vegetarian chili for everybody. I don't know. I For me, I'm like, though. this is just like my little dig at everybody who's <laughs> <Okay. laughs> hunting right now. I'm just, I don't, I have nothing against hunting, by the way, if it's done in the mm-hmm. right parameters yeah. and legally and everything, but I just am not a hunter. And so I just get a bit of a giggle out of making them all vegetarian chili. They don't complain though. It's food, right? Yeah. Right. This was the first time I hadn't gone up in a while because Wes reached out and he's like, I will be in Minnesota. And I, I'm like, well, how often does that happen? Sure. So, but he, my husband, after not getting any deer. Sorry, Ty. I have to say that a few times. He <laughs> comes. I know. <laughs> he comes back down with my kids um, that Sunday, and so we actually met up with them for dinner that night. Very cool. So he did get to meet Wes, and my kids got to meet him. I think they decided he was really cool when he made a joke about dogs farting. Oh and yeah, then,
1: the coolest. Yeah.
0: So then after that, they admitted that he was pretty cool. He was, yeah. he was funny. Yeah. Dog farting, though. I mean, they're 8 and 10. So I mean, any kind of farts are funny. But when you're talking about a dog farting.
2: That's comedy gold. Oh,
0: I know.
1: So we're stationed on the complete opposite side of the building from all of the, the celebrity guests. You're right there in the, the thick of it. I am. Was there any other guests that you got an opportunity to meet at Twin Cities Con that you really resonated with?
0: A couple. Yeah. Um, so one was the actor who plays Aang in Avatar, Zach Tyler Ison, and he was very kind as well. And we just got to chatting about a bunch of life stuff and he actually told me it was, this was funny. So you guys were just at Mall of America, you know how there's that Avatar ride oh of course yeah he and his girlfriend went to check it out when they were here for twin cities con and the day that they went to check it out the avatar ride was closed (laughs) oh
1: you said he was very sweet he was very kind yes it would be quite bothersome if the man who plays ang was is a jerk yeah
0: yeah I, i agree No, he was very kind uh let's see who else um brian Brian O'Halloran, I, yes. yeah, he was wonderful Gentleman. as well. Very, yeah, very
1: roasted the ever-loving shit out of us when we started. Yeah, I can imagine it was. First of all, it's Brian O'Halloran, so I, we're already nervous, and then second, we're like carrying ten-foot cables and that little thing and oh, like sure. a camera, so we're just like shaking. And he's like, "Could you get it together?" <laughs>
2: <laughs> Austin was having trouble setting up, and oh. because I was, uh, I was nerding out about it, right? Um, I pointed out stuff about his character that he played in Clerks and mm-hmm. he goes, Yeah, uh tell me more about the character I play. I'm like
0: You're right. You're right. Yes, <laughs> you uh, do know more about him than I do. And then another I had a lot of really great conversations with Doug Erholtz. Okay. He's the one with the purple glasses. If you, oh of course, yeah. yeah okay. He's also an adoptee. Oh wow. Oh cool. And I'm not going to tell his story. Maybe you guys can reach out and ask him his story next. Start doing an adoption like stories thing. No, but he he was. We talked a lot with that once we both found out we were adopted and shared. You know, connecting with birth parents and what that went entailed for both of us. And yeah, so I think those were my biggest.
1: Did you get a chance to meet our podcast father Ming Chen?
0: I did meet Ming Chen as well. Yes, The,
1: the legend.
0: Yes. No, he was very nice too. But when I was thinking about ones that I, I guess it, you, I was thinking about those connections, right? Yeah. And that's, of course. I guess, a, con, a connecting piece to what I keep talking about today. Because that's why I stay with my characters and want people to have that connection. And that's what I look for in other humans, too. And that's, yeah, those are the ones that I found.
1: So you had mentioned uh, with really enjoying Nancy Drew, is there. Any mysteries, or I know that the, obviously the the third book is in pre production for an audio book. But Correct. what other uh, you know projects are in the works for you?
0: So I'm in grad school right now. Oh, okay, which is my main project. And once I'm done with that, I have a few ideas that I've been working on. I like to call it percolating in the background, you know. And one of them is a continuation of this universe a little bit it is about some of the side characters who are very much reader favorites their names are Sean and Shannon okay Uh, they are based on real life Sean and Shannon so shout out to those guys if you guys end up watching this real life Sean and Shannon when I was first creating Finding Fae I had this idea for these cousins of Quince who is one of Evie's friends who introduces her to the Fae realm and I thought it would be so fun to write them based on Sean and Shannon's own personalities mixed with a little bit of their d personalities. Sure. But I didn't know what to name them. So I was just using the names Sean and Shannon as placeholders sure. until finally I'm like, well, that's, that's their name. It's Sean and Shannon. And so I asked the real life Sean and Shannon if I could use their names too. And they graciously allowed me to do so. That's awesome. And because... So many people have questions because they're very chaotic, neutral characters skewing towards chaotic good. So many people have questions about some of their actions or some of the things that they happen to have. So I have this idea of a short story collection featuring Sean and Shannon that would be called Double the Fae because every book in the trilogy has Fae in the title. And they're twins, both in real life and in the books. So that's one idea. Another is taking that portal fantasy, which will not see the light of day, but reworking it into an epic fantasy. And I've actually already started that a little bit. It's put on the back burner, but sure. I'm changing it around a little. And that's the one that I was telling you about last night, Trevor, where it's yeah. like 120,000 words and it's not even all the way done. And so it's sure. very epic fantasy and that version of it might eventually see the light of day. Awesome. We'll see. That'd be cool. Awesome. Yeah.
1: You said that there were many, many different ways to self-publish. There are. Uh, and I'm sure there's many, many different ways to find your works. But if, if people were interested in finding what you've done, what you have published, mm-hmm. what would be the best method for them to do so?
0: The best method would probably be to either go to my website, which is just elhollywrites.com. So elhollywrites.com. Or one of the easiest places to find the books is also on websites like Amazon. Um, Barnes and Noble will sometimes show them on there too. Perfect. So some of the big name places. I'm working, that's one of my projects that I'll be working on during grad school is slowly getting my books into more bookstores. Awesome. We've covered how I'm a bit of an introvert, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I don't super love like going and talking to people I don't know. And so I think that's been stopping me all these years because I'm like, that's a lot of people I have to talk to and they don't know my books.
1: Well, you don't know us very well and you've done great for the last hour and you did wonderful (laughs) for two hours last night at dinner. Well,
0: thank you. When I'm trying to sell my own books, though, it's a bit of a different (laughs) story, you know, but at this point, I feel like I've got a little bit more to stand on than I did all those years ago when I first started. Because Finding Fae, um, so the first book in the trilogy, actually last year was a quarter finalist in the Book Life Prize contest, which is offered through Publishers Weekly. Very cool. And it's the Book Life Prize is specifically for indie published books like mine are. Quarter finalist means that it was the top 10 in its category. That's awesome. Which I think is a that's something that's some, it's yeah. awesome and it's something to stand on where you know a lot of times the issue the the hurdle that a lot of self-published authors have to face is no one knows about you and so a lot of places aren't necessarily willing to take a risk on buying your books and selling your books if they yep. don't know who you are and i i hope i think that at least being able to say well my books at least one of them has achieved this Sure, sure. should help get a foot in the door. It's my hope anyway. So that's kind of the next step for that part. But that is a definite hurdle for self-publishing. Absolutely. Unless you are self-publishing and you are very extroverted and you are fine entering your book in a bajillion contests, you know? I
1: feel like, and maybe you're the same way, I can talk about myself or I can talk about pro wrestling or whatever I'm interested (laughs) in for days and days and days. But then someone asked me about the podcast and I'm just like, I just get really small. I'm I just like, yeah, feel the I just same, There's this dumb little thing know. I do. And then my wife is like, she's like, it's not a dumb little thing. Like no. you you and Trevor and Corey, you work your asses off at this my
0: every week. So that's pretty much the same thing yeah. to me about my books. Because so? I'm just like, I'm such a small potatoes author. And then he's like, everybody loves potatoes. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yep.
2: Yep. Don't forget Heather.
1: Yes. And Heather, of course. Heather is the whole reason we started doing conventions, which has done nothing but help. Um, just... Explode our, our show.
0: Go Heather There's-
1: outside of the living room into conventions and traveling and coming back up here for this. So yeah, I've, uh, like I said in previous episodes, like I I don't know anything about video and and I'm also a control freak, which those two things don't align very well because. No. I, I should be, as a control freak, I should be doing the video. I know nothing about it. So I handed the reins to Corey. Um, He's like done amazing. He's back done there. <laughs> amazing. But for me to give up that control is very it's difficult hard. for me. And also, like, for me to give up the control of, like, I'm booking every convention that we go to to put that in Heather's hands. It's just like, you know what? Screw it. Yeah. I know it gets done, and I know it gets done well. And she has built these uh, incredible relationships with um uh nerd street which is the ones that do like des moines con and Twin cities con they have a new one called mad expo in madison wisconsin oh wow um that relationship could not have been built without her so
2: it's kind of like how uh yesterday when we were talking to joe Mm -hmm. um we mentioned or, or like i had mentioned like this is something that feels like it just gets easier the more we do it Mm -hmm. um the more we go out to these conventions uh events stuff like that it's gotten way more natural and it just feels better to like talk about the podcast in public or or be able to have these conversations with other people in public like when we were recording in the shop that shop didn't close they just worked around us. Yeah. And we're just in like
1: one little corner
2: of the shop and like all these random people are just weaving in and out of our equipment. And then and then people would stop and watch us and it just, it felt good. So like, I think as time goes on, as I'm sure with your writing, Mm -hmm. uh, it it gets easier with us. Right. Being able to pitch our podcast in a certain way. So.
1: Yeah. My, my, my number one goal for or number one, uh, advice rather for introverted people. Cause I, I feel like I'm extroverted by some things, but if I have to talk about myself, I get very like small yep. and introverted is that once that nervous energy of like doing it the first, you know, one or two times mm-hmm. is gone. Um, make sure that you're, you're still excited for it and not taking it for granted. Cause I feel like, um, when things get super easy and, and, uh, you kind of get good at it, then there's sometimes where you're just like, yep, it's just, you know, it's just going to Trevor's apartment and, and recording with people. And then a lot of our guests are just like our friends. Yeah, But you know, a lot of our, a lot of our guests are our friends and, but then we get done with an hour of recording and we're like, that was brilliant. Was yeah. beautiful. <laughs> like I loved every minute of it. So yeah. That's great. And
0: there's advice. been so many
2: times where either one of us is just like, man, that, that wasn't good. That wasn't great. I didn't like that. Oh, it happens every and, time. And then, uh, like I've had my doubts and then Corey and, and Austin reel me back and I'm like, no, dude, trust. Like that was a great, ep- that was yep. really funny.
1: So we just, and I'm going to put him on blast here, but we just had one of our podcaster friends, uh, his episode came out last week. Okay. And when I got done recording that episode, I was like, mm, that wasn't one of our best. And then as I'm recording the audio and this man puts the video together and I see the, fin- the finished product, I'm like... Oh, that was great. That was beautiful. (laughs) I don't know if it's like, I would just, I don't know if that's because I'm like cocky and conceited or whatever, but I was just like, yeah.
0: I feel that way about writing, though, too, where I get, you know, to the point where I'm done with the draft and I'm editing and I'm just like, who wrote this crap? Yeah. You know,
1: (laughs) like, who's going to want to read this? No one needs to read
0: this and no one should. But then it's, Beautiful and brilliant because the books are out there, and of course, not everybody loves them. They shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Everybody's different. But there are people who have. There are people like the one I showed you the text from yesterday where she's there's this granddaughter of a local author who got the first book for Christmas. And he showed me this message that she sent her mom, like, Mom, please, I need books two and three. Like, just it's there's always gonna be people like that out there too. And that's 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 who I'm writing for, you know?
1: So I was going to ask you that. Are you, when you write these Mm -hmm. books, are you writing them with the intention of this has to entertain someone or are you writing them like, gosh, I love this. So I'm putting it out there or a little bit of both. Can I
0: give you some advice? Yes. Since you gave me some.
1: I feel like it might be the same advice I was about to give you. Probably.
0: I, I write for myself. Yes if other people happen to like it great but if i'm trying to write with the only intention in mind to entertain others it's not going to come across as genuine yep. it's not going to come across as you know me and 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 my own writing style this is this is me this is what i like to do this is what i thought was pretty funny pretty interesting pretty action packed and it's if i were to write for others, it would have looked different and yep. it wouldn't have been what it yep. is.
1: I was just gonna say the exact same thing. I just went on this, I, I go on these rants on Facebook sometimes, um, probably about once a week, and I piss <laughs> a bunch of people off, and I don't care. That's <laughs> true. Um, but I went on this rant about, to people thinking about putting a podcast together because we may or may not have caught one of the podcast influencers in the Des Moines area in the act of buying. Instagram followers oh. and writing articles about himself. So oh. he published an article. Uh, I won't say any names. He no, put, no, no, published but... an article about um, 10 entrepreneurs that are redefining success. And it's like this former Premier League soccer player that started this big uh, sports management company. And he has hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram. And then also this guy from Des Moines on the list. And it's like, well, okay. How they find you? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And then you look at like the who published the article and it's like, oh, it's an anonymous contributor. And then there's an asterisk that's like, this article does not necessarily reflect the and that's just like, OK. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I went on this rant about authenticity and being yes. genuine. And my whole thing is if the four of us, the three of us in this room and Heather can listen to this product or watch this product and be very, very excited about what we put out. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I'm, I can only assume that other people are going to like it too. And if they don't, eh, right. well, at least we're proud of, of it. I would that's much rather fail being true to ourselves than to succeed not being true to ourselves. Well,
0: right. And that's how I feel about my books and also about what I put out on my social media, which mm-hmm. if, if anyone wants to follow me, my Instagram and my Facebook is at L Holly so E L Holly And what I put out on there is just what amuses me. I have yep. a Friday funny every Friday, just, and there's ones that I think are funny, and usually they're related to Lord of the Rings because I'm obsessed. <laughs> um, not always, sometimes they're related to reading or writing. And then always on Tuesdays, I will post a picture of my dog because he's adorable. So if you follow me for anything, follow me for Mac. He's this little Shih Tzu mix who actually just got a bunch more teeth taken out, so he's got like no teeth on the top or Aww. bottom anymore. <laughs> in the front, it's pretty cute. And then um, anything else. And so sometimes you'll see me posting about my baking. Which you guys got to experience some of that baking so good. today. <laughs> it's one of my passions, and so it's not all just book stuff because it's me that I'm putting out there. It's little bits of me anyway.
1: Yeah, I love when people take, uh, you know, gingerbread cookie for example, and you're like, <laughs> what,
0: "Where'd you get that?" Example? And you're
1: like. So it doesn't have any gluten, it doesn't have any of this, and it doesn't have any of that, but it's still delicious. I'm just like, Darn. I'll be the judge. You were a little skeptical okay. last night, weren't you? Yeah, a little bit. I was just like, so you took all the good stuff out of it. But no, it is delicious.
0: <laughs> I will it's say wonderful. it's not low on sugar, but That's I mean the, the amount of what process. is okay.
1: I'm very diabetic. I'm not. But yeah, I know.
0: So like the most sugar in there is probably the icing that's on there because I Mm. don't make my own icing. I just use the Betty Crocker cookie icing. The best icing. Yeah. But the cookies themselves, like if you take the icing off, the only added sugar in them is maple syrup and molasses. And it's only two tablespoons of maple syrup in the whole thing. Two tablespoons in the whole cookie recipe and a tablespoon of molasses in the whole thing.
1: Doing a lot of walking today will be
0: will be be good. But, But I mean, the amount of sugar for the amount of cookies is really not that bad. Yeah. And it's not processed mainly. I mean, it's a little processed, but you know what I mean? It's, yeah.
1: If I go into a diabetic coma, we'll know who to...
0: (sighs) I will take the blame. No, it's probably going to be when you go and get a bunch of candy and soda after this. Yeah, (laughs) I cannot
1: wait. Any questions that you did not ask that you thought
0: I have any
2: final questions? Yeah, so uh, I actually had one final question, which was, um, do you see or is there any type of hope that like, there'll be an adaptation of your books to like, say, Netflix or Amazon or, you know, a streaming service or to like the big screen. Would you like to see that
0: happen? I would love to, but that's a really big jump from like book to that. And I would need those connections, right? And I only have a lot of those connections. Like, I don't know anyone who works for Netflix or Amazon or things like that, you know? Yes. And I've actually been told by a few readers that these would make super great movies. Like, that's really fun. They're fairly lighthearted. I mean, there's some serious moments, but I'm not a super serious person. I don't want to have that heavy, like, everybody dies moment. I do that enough when I teach Hamlet, which I just finished with my (laughs) students this week. You know, like, we we have a lot of that stuff out there. So these are just, they're fun. They're lighthearted. Mm -hmm. Like there's high stakes, but at the end of the day, you kind of know that the main characters are going to be okay.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Cool. Anything that we didn't ask about that you'd want to
0: talk about? Oh, let me think. Um, not that I can think of. I'll probably think of something later and be yeah. like, can we do a follow-up interview, guys? Because yeah. we, didn't, we didn't cover this, but... Any you know. random
1: questions for us? We I, I don't know why. We we do that sometimes, and guests come up with interesting questions.
0: Ooh, let's see. So I asked you guys last night about Ice Cream Sunday and why, and you said you didn't really have a good I
2: don't. I don't even reason. remember. Like, like, the, you so guys we, need an origin so story, though, is what I'm in, saying. I think there's been a couple times where Austin yeah. has given a definitive, like, this is how... Ha- this is how it came about. This is I don't what even it know is, if that's but... the
1: real answer. Right. So we started a podcast and it only ran for 14 episodes called Ice Cream Sunday in 2016.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then we took six years off. And right. those six years, this man relentlessly begged me to bring back a podcast. And I said, if we're going to do it, then we're going to do it right. And I bought all of this equipment and the audio quality is much better than it was. And we Finally, took it seriously, and below and behold, look what happened.
2: There was somebody uh, recently that asked me, um, "What's a good starting point to like get into the podcast yeah. if I were to listen?" And you know, we have our favorite episodes, mm-hmm. and that's all well and good. But um, as much as this would help us out, it, it, it is a genuine uh, answer to that question. Which is just start from the beginning. That yeah. way, you can see like how we started out and then progress up to 80 plus episodes now yeah. to where like it's right. gotten better over time.
0: Well and I similar origin story. If I hadn't started where I did, I wouldn't be where I am, but I did not know what I was doing. I didn't take six years off, but I, I've learned along the way and I'm sure you guys have too, you know, starting somewhere. It's not nothing. Like you've got to start somewhere.
1: We had to take six years off to live a life. So we had stories to tell. Yeah. Uh, You know, that's, that's the way I look at it. Um, so in 2016, (laughs) when we, when, Myself and two other hosts started the podcast. He was a guest on an episode and these two actually had a podcast together. Mm. Um, (laughs) I wasn't married. I didn't have kids yet. He didn't have kids yet. He wasn't married yet. Kids
0: make a big difference. Yeah. They change your perspective Um, on a lot of things.
1: (laughs) So just everything has changed. And even, even from the time that we brought the show back in 2022, he was married, but he didn't have Caden yet. Heather wasn't pregnant with the second child. I yeah. wasn't married yet, so there's been two baby announcements. There's been
0: so engagements.
1: There's been we brought this dum dum on. Uh, <laughs> I'm the dum dum. <laughs> <laughs> what's up, guys? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's. Um, but then you go back and and you think like I bought all this equipment right. and I know how to use it and whatever and then you go back and listen to some of our first episodes and it's like I don't know what I'm doing. This they sound terrible. <laughs> yep. Um,
0: Okay, why orange then?
1: Ooh. Um it is orange because David Richardson, who was uh, one of our co-hosts in 2022 when we brought the show back and one of my original co-hosts, he drew the original logo and just happened to color in with orange crayon the uh the cone orange. See, I love that. And it so, just it fits And so, so nice. when we when I redesigned the logo with what it is now, I was mm-hmm. just like I got to keep it orange just as a tribute to David. Um, That's
0: beautiful. I love that. Therapy.
1: Yeah, R I P to a real one. Um I'm sorry. That's also a running joke. No, no, no. No, he's not <laughs> so he's not dead, oh. but he's
2: dead. So to us. so there uh, was a um
0: I'm still sorry. Like that's <laughs> no. you know.
2: It's it's a running joke because uh for a while, um you know, due to personal reasons, uh David wouldn't be able to make it to certain episodes, certain sure. recordings, and so uh we'd make the joke like David I died. I see. Died.
0: I see.
1: Yeah. But We need to get him back on the show. We do. Um, I think the name Ice Cream Sunday you asked, um, I really like puns Mm -hmm. and I thought it would be fun. At the time in 2016, there were podcasts that I listened to that were like, hey, new episodes on Tuesday, new episodes on Thursday. And I was like, we're going to corner the Sunday market. Usually, no one's doing anything, you know. Sure. Um, I am not the most religious person, so I was like, my podcast is going to be church for a lot of my friends, you know. It'll <laughs> give them something to listen to while they're making Sunday brunch, or oh, you know. Sure. So, um, so I was like, a we'll release on Sunday, and then we decided to bring this show back, and we were looking for a title, and I was like, the show's not going to be anything like what the original Ice Cream Sunday was, but I like the name, and. It seems like everyone else likes the name too, um, and then we go to conventions and we have this big band. This an Ice Cream Sunday, and Sunday's at the bottom, so they can only see the words "Ice Cream" from far, and they think that we're a vendor of ice cream, and then they get really—that's <laughs> how we get them. Yeah, they get really pissed off when they come to our booth and find out that we're not selling ice cream, but you know, it's okay. But
0: uh, <laughs> so yeah. you do have an origin story, kind of. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. No, you yeah. do. I it's just do one. Yeah, it was. It was. On. It was. It took some and yeah. turns throughout. Yeah. I guess I didn't tell you guys the pen name, how I came up yes, with that. Yes, that's what I was going to ask. I yeah. totally forgot. Because my name is Kristen. Right. Which has nothing to do with L or Holly. Um, but so in seventh grade, this would have been like a year or so before I started writing my first novel. Uh, that's when I was starting to really think I want to write mm-hmm. and be a published author. I And truth be told, that would have been around when Lord of the Rings was coming out in theaters and I was just awestruck by Tolkien's work. I read, I watched the fellowship of the ring. And then I went back and I read all like the whole trilogy. I read the Hobbit. And then I was confused as to why they revealed Gandalf coming back in the commercials for the two mm-hmm. towers. Cause I'm like, what about the people who haven't read? They wouldn't know. Why did you show that? I'm There's getting off on a tangent. So here, many
2: tangents. I could go. Off I, oh, off I know. That.
0: So around that time period, I really was starting to envision. What if I became an author someday? And I came up with El Holly, um, Originally, it was going to be Elizabeth Holly because Elizabeth is my middle name. Okay, and then Holly is the role that I grew up on, and I kind of mashed them together. That's very cool. And so I, it was Elizabeth Holly for the longest time, and then I, when I had that stu- those students in creative writing, kind of pushed me. You know, why haven't you thought about doing this? I had a choice. I could publish under my name, which I like. Or I could have that homage to my seventh grade self yeah. who wanted to publish. and That's really cool. And I shortened it to L just because it sounded snappier to me in my yeah, head. Yeah, yeah, you know? no. Although I've had a few people who accidentally think it's like E.L. Holly, like initials, like J.K. Rowling or J.R.R. R. Tolkien, you know.
1: E.L. Fudge.
0: Yeah, it's not though, it's just L. I
1: love
0: it. Yeah. I love it. So there we go, that's the Last name. question I'm going to ask. Mm-hmm.
1: And we used to do this and we got away from it.
0: Uh-oh. <laughs> We we started doing it. We just
1: started doing it again. What's your favorite flavor of ice cream?
0: My favorite flavor of ice cream. Oh, (laughs) that's a hard one to choose from. I mean, there's a lot of great flavors. I will say before I was, I found out I was gluten sensitive. My favorite flavor was if you guys go to Cold Stone ever, Mm -hmm. the cake batter ice cream, Mm -hmm. I would get that with cookie dough.
2: Yep. Mm. The best.
0: And I have not been able to get that since, which is very sad. Because my stomach hates me if I have gluten, but second favorite then after that would probably have to be. Oh, this makes me sound like such a little kid. Cotton candy ice cream.
1: That was Jordan's. Yeah,
0: yeah. so nothing wrong with that. At no, all. but it's it's it is kind of a little kiddish, but that's okay. I, I like the very sweet ice cream.
2: If you ever make it. Uh, to des moines uh-huh. we'll take you to this ice cream place that's literally right down the road from where i live okay um called home sweet cone that's our favorite place to go wonderful. that sounds delicious it's i amazing. love ice cream um my favorite is their salted oreo
0: that sounds really good but
2: they do ha- offer the gluten-free options as well
0: that's wonderful but
2: it, i highly recommend that place
0: I'll have to keep that in mind, but of course I can't go there without you guys. Now, so if I'm if I find myself in Des Moines, I'll hit y'all up.
2: Watch she'll she'll send a selfie and be like, "Hey, look where I am." I'm gonna am. say the
1: same thing I say <laughs> to everyone we've ever interviewed outside of the Des Moines area. If you're ever in Des Moines and you don't let us know,
0: we're gonna it's have over s- for you. It's, I'll be t- you'll be RIPing mm-hmm. me. in Yeah, RIP to a real one. <laughs>
1: Kristen, thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, and no, I'll thank you guys for this opportunity. This has been really fun.